Aloha. Now that means hello Aloha. and goodbye. Are we done? Uh, that's a show. That's a, I think that's a show. It also I, from from one of our favorite podcasts collectively here here in the in the community. Roderick on the line. John Roderick is is often uh, talking about Aloha, not just being hello and goodbye, but it's a state of mind, Don. And uh, and today, I think this represents. There, there's a lot going on. This represents an Aloha day for me. Because uh, about uh, 10 minutes ago, you said uh, you might want to check your call recorder to see if it's uh, been uninstalled. And turns out uh, it had been uninstalled. And aloha. Yeah, and you, now, know how, you know how I learned that it might have been uninstalled? <laughs> From Roderick on the line. Listening to your, your favorite tech podcast and mine, Roderick and mine. on the line. Yeah, oh, but you know, but I did. There is at least the call recorder people. I think are getting smarter because now, now there is an app in your applications folder called Install Call Recorder. <laughs> and so oh, and you, you can just go hit that. Is go and and click that app to launch that app, and that right. app will install Call Recorder mm-hmm. if it's not there. And then and then what happened is it installed the previous version, three point zero point eight, and then it said and then I it launched Skype and it said oh not the right version. Would you like to get the new version? <laughs> I'm like, yes, I would. And then download, 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 and then install. And then boom, here we are. Wow. Well, so, so I don't know if I, oh, no, I've got Ecamm movie tools, but I don't have a install. Oh, I do. I've installed Call Recorder. There it is. It's an application. Don't click that right now. That would mess up. No, no. I've already, yeah, I've already done it. And it says, because I, I re downloaded it. So, so my, my workflow for, for Call Recorder reinstallation. I can't believe that this is a thing, but it is. Yeah, is that I I search my my email yeah, for, for that link, e- right. eCam. Yeah, that also yeah, will right. work. This is more. I think this is more reliable because I have a higher. Yeah. I don't know about you, Ben. I get a couple of emails a day, and so sometimes stuff can get lost. Whereas there's there's a limited number of applications in my applications folder, and I can just type. <laughs> I can just start search for install as long or call or recorder, and I would probably find it. So. That's, see, that's good. See, I I also have uh, I, I I'm known to receive and send a few emails myself. Are and you, you're also known <laughs> to only respond to ones that are in the above the fold, as they say in the newspaper business. <laughs> I like to think of it as yes, above the fold is is important. Above the fold is is gonna is gonna move you up. I really only like to do the ones that have that don't say yesterday or another or another date on them. If it says today, I'm and I'm gonna I'm gonna do my darndest at the end of the day to make sure I've addressed those ones from t- but some what was today? from today from right. today if it doesn't yeah, yeah. if it doesn't happen in that day then well you know we'll it see. might just we'll be see. for another day it's gonna sit there and I might get to it and then and then I'll have a panic attack so so also I'll, I'll when, when I'm not gonna deal with something right away I'll I'll throw it into drafts or mm. directly into OmniFocus and and I clean clean those out every every day too. That's like all part of my it's all part of my flow. Part oh, of my no, see that's that's interesting. So let me let me talk about my uh, workflow. My workflow is I try to keep my inbox as close to empty as possible or like one screen's worth. On the other hand, my drafts and my OmniFocus are well drafts is always a hot mess cuz I just put stuff there and then that's it. I just I just I just type stuff there and I leave it there. Because usually I'm typing it there with the yeah. intent of putting it somewhere else. Because it's, Ben, I don't know if you know this, 
Drafts is where text starts. <laughs> it's where text starts. <laughs> they it's should not use where it that. ends. Sometimes it ends there. Well, so. <laughs> and then OmniFocus is well, it was really great a couple of weeks ago, and I think I probably talked about it on the podcast, and now it's a hot mess again. But I, I it, anyway, it's it, it's all it's all good. It is. It's so so. I I do this. I do this thing where, and this is. I, I think we might have talked about this in a show, but I definitely told you about it. I use my watch a lot. And so drafts, the the text to, to the voice to text in drafts is really good on the watch. Oh yeah. So I gotta check what I've what I've put in my in my watch text in the in the drafts. Cause sometimes I just say stuff and then it, then I know where it goes and then I gotta move it from there into OmniFocus. Well, sometimes though, I may just put stuff directly into OmniFocus. And usually if I'm sitting on my computer and there's like it's an email thing, like re, you know, respond. How about this? Send and actually, I can check this off. Send Mitzi an email with the budget dash NIH project. I did that yesterday, and but that's that's here, so right? It's like an, there, there's a there's something I gotta. I, there was a, an email that triggered that. So those are the those are the types of things that sometimes go dra- directly into OmniFocus. But so what what I what I'm trying to do is say at the end of the day, if there was something that has come in from 12:01 a.m. until you know, well, seven thirty, eight o'clock at night, I, I should have already addressed it. Somehow right. it has moved somewhere. Right. And if, but I'm, I'm often going to just keep them in my inbox and like my, my inbox, Don <laughs> inbox, inbox zero is not something that, that I would, I would even attest to inbox 29,789 <laughs> with uh, 29,000. Sorry. One more time. 29,000. Thousand seven hundred eighty nine. Got it. With yeah, got got that. With with is someone? You know what? This this really. I feel like I'm giving enough information right now that someone could hack my email. You know, <laughs> and search the e- email boxes on the internet for Until something that's in box. That has twenty nine thousand. Yeah, seven. And then they'll know it's mine. Yeah, yeah. And then in 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 the Gmail inbox, it tells me how many unread unread there are, and that is uh, three thousand one hundred and fifteen. Um, now, now unread emails <laughs> largely come from J crew or some other level of solicitation that often, if I, I, sometimes I try to unsubscribe to those. Sometimes I just leave them. So it, it, yeah, it, it's a, it's a whole thing. So, but the other thing, so this, this actually is fascinating for, for you and I, uh, the thing with Ecamm is that my, the way that I have my my Apple Mail setup, which is the my preferred app to deal with with email on on all of my devices, all the devices, all the great devices. It, it because and this is this is an artifact of when we used to travel. Mm. I, my my laptop. I don't want to. I don't really want to have all of my inbox on my laptop because it's a lot and it's mm-hmm. gigs and gigs and gigs. Yeah. And, and and so so I keep a lot of it in the in the Gmail in the cloud. Mm-hmm. And so, so I, so for EK, if it has not existed, if I haven't received an email from them in the last like 60 days, it won't, it won't be in my right, normal. Right, right, right. So yeah. I, then I got to go to the Gmail. So, so anyway, so that's what so, I did. So let me, let me, let me tell you a little bit about my email because this is okay. apparently now a productivity podcast. Um, yeah. I, I have used Apple mail or mail.app as they call it for a long time and, and like it. 
but it stopped working for me or it stopped sinking. It would be, it would, Ooh. it would acting really buggy. So I, I'm like, well, shoot, we're, we're an outlook shop now at the university. You know, not that I chose that, but whatever, let me try the outlook app for Mac OS. And it's actually pretty good. And it has, I mean, it has a uh, server side rules, which are great. Cause that means like stuff can be sorted where it needs to go so that I don't ever have to read it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, so it and, and then, and then, and now, and now I've actually started, and it has a great thing in the inbox. It has focused and other. And so a lot of stuff never makes it to my inbox, right? It just gets sorted. And then stuff that gets to my inbox that I want to see, some stuff just goes to this other category, which is a lower, it's sort of a mindless, like easy to deal with, but, but, you know, like sort of mosquito tasks, little, little things. And so I alternate back and forth. Am I doing like real work or am I just clicking off these, these little, little mosquito task things? And, and I get confused because if I, if I go to one of my iOS devices and I look, I'm seeing the unfiltered and they're like, well, wait a minute, there must be Outlook for those. And now I'm just started using Outlook for those. And so I'm, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's, I still like the way mail displays stuff and, and nests threads and makes threads. The outlook threading is a little wonky, but anyway, so I use, so, so yeah, so I'm using like six different apps on three different devices. <laughs> right. Right. But yeah. it's, it's fine. It's all good. Yeah. So, so I, I, I have, I know I'm, I'm an, I'm a mail.app app guy and I've also run into issues where it just, it just breaks, right? Like it just, it stops working. The logins fail. Like currently my, it's always like just downloading messages. I don't that, know that, that was part of the reason why I had to stop using it. I, that just, I just, that just, I don't know what it's good. doing. Yeah. So, so every once in a while and like once every six or eight weeks, and, and this is something that I, that I haven't done for a while. I just go and probably probably I should. They're in the mailbox menu, right? So so at the top you got a you got a toolbar. Then there's a menu at the bottom of the mailbox that says rebuild, and that does something. I don't know what it does, but it makes the the buggies things go away. And and then it then I got to do that every six weeks or so, and that's kind of the like that's kind of the only the only thing. So yeah, so that's, that's like, that's my, that's my email. That, that's my email quandary, I guess. Not a quandary. That's what, that's just how I, uh, how I roll. But I really love how it's like mail.app is the same thing on all of my things, right? Like it's, it's all, it's all mail.app on my, on my iPad, on my iPhone. I'm using, I, I'm using a lot of like, I, I use two iPads because I, I use them for different, different things. <laughs> this is so stupid and fascinating. Mm -hmm. Like if I'm sitting and watching TV, I like my my iPad, the the 11 inch iPad Pro. But if I'm in bed, it's a little too heavy, and, and it has hit me in the face a few times as I've fallen asleep. So I have not I, I, I have not had that happen, but I have heard reports from others of that happening. <laughs> it's true, it's, and it it's shocking when you get a you get an iPad in the nose, and the mini it still will hit you, but it's not as heavy. So so that's my like. As I and you know, of course, I'm I'm breaking all the rules. You're not supposed to be like screens in bed and and all that kind of stuff, right? But but I do I do like to I like to read I like to read my iPad. But sometimes I'll read some news. Sometimes Twitter. Other times I'll read a read a Kindle book or or whatever. But but the mini is just so much better. But so now I'm like I'm always on you know, four different things, and you know not not counting my watch. 
So, and actually it's more like five because there's a laptop that and now, now less than, than before I've got a, I've got this iMac in my office that I do 90% of my computer things on, but every once in a while I need a little change of pace and I might have a laptop at the kitchen table while the kids are yelling at each other and me. So yeah. Anyway, the fat fascinating fast, you know, the, for those keeping track at home, there are lots of devices being used. So, so before we actually get to talking about food safety, can we have another non-food safety digression? I know the readers don't like this. The, the readers, oh, the readers of our blog, they can turn, they can turn the page, Don. They can, <laughs> they can go find another article there to read. Oh dear. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm happy to so, indulge that. So let's talk house safety talk. Oh so yeah. I, I, you moved recently. <clears throat> <laughs> or relatively well, recently, right? Okay, sure. Well, it was like three years ago. <laughs> was, it, was it really a few years ago? Yeah, three, three. We've been here three years, oh, but yeah. dear God. Yeah, you, well, how long but, have we been doing this podcast anyway? Oh, oh, like forever. You know, it's like been, we're coming up on, this has got to be eight years, right? Something wow. like that. Wow. Anyway, so you just moved the other day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When I when I moved recently, yes, yes. Maybe I'm thinking of John Roderick. He did, he did recently, I think. So our our house, uh, our house is going to be listed for sale at the end of the month, and I'm not looking for for people to come and buy it. And the listeners of the podcast. So so, but <laughs> but but what I'm I, I want to ask you, like I'm I I mean I'm it's it's exciting. But it's a little nerve-wracking. How how were you were you nervous when you were moving? Oh, did that like what? How would you terrible. how did you deal with that? How, and how did you deal with that? Well, not in pandemic times, but how did you manage all of that? Also, in the context of having a job. Oh my gosh. Okay, so yes, so I'm I am not I, I, my my tendency in life is to get somewhere and and not go anywhere. Mine as right? well. Mine like, as well. I like I right? like, and, and, I like things to not change. Yes. Yeah. And I like, 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 for instance, this is on a very micro level on a Saturday, I would like to just sit on the couch. Mm -hmm. I don't need to go to another room. Right. My, my home is, is similar. So, so we, when we moved to North Carolina 12 years ago, we rented an apartment. So Danny, my, my wife is, is a little less, she's a little more nomadic than Mm -hmm. I am. Mm -hmm. She, she relayed a story to, to some friends this weekend about when she was 17, because in Canada, you know, you can take semesters off of high school and stuff. Have when she was Springa, that's what you guys do when you're in Canada? Right? I, no. No? I think that's it. I think that's in Pennsylvania or something. <laughs> okay. No, but she, she just went to like, she went on a six week backpacking trip by herself of like England and, and Ireland and Scotland. And and just like was like, hey, I'm gonna go do this. And so she, well, she likes really, to be on. I like, I like the idea of doing that. I'm not sure I would actually ever do that, but I like the idea of doing that. Right, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so she's just on the go, and 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 didn't just is like, I'm doing this. I got a passport, and she she had enough money from. She was a lifeguard, so she was working this you know part time job and saved up enough money and didn't have to go to school for a semester. And she's like, I'm I'm out of here. So so that that's that's her and and me. I, I like I don't like to go places, although like, you know, sometimes it's necessary anyway. So getting back to moving. So when we moved here to North Carolina, Danny was also very much like we don't know anything about Raleigh and which is true. We I, I had been here just for the interview for the for the position and toured around the city with one person and she wasn't here. So we we came down for a weekend to find a place and and, and we decided to rent an apartment because we didn't know anything about where we would even want to live. And it's, you know, moving to a different country is different, all that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. we were going to have a like three month old. So mm-hmm. found this apartment, lived there for eight months. And then over those eight months, almost every week and weekend, we went looking for houses. So this is where the house start part mm-hmm. starts. Right. We probably looked at 
60 houses, mm-hmm. 80 houses. And, and we're in no, we were in no rush to find, you know, to find a house. Right. Because we had an apartment and we didn't, you know, it, it, we weren't, we weren't pressured. So mm-hmm. we, you know, there were a lot like of a things. Mo- we looking- month to month lease or something like that, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so there are a lot of things that we were looking for. So we just waited for something and, and, you know, went and looked in certain parts of the city and went and had lunch and walked around the downtown, like all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. which was, which was great. And so then we found this house and, and li- loved it and lived in it for eight years or something like that, seven years. But, but then, you know, as, as one does, you kind of, you know, outgrow things and, and it was further away from campus than I wanted to be. And Danny was growing our business and needed more space. And so all that kind of stuff. So, so we found this house that we currently are in. And so it was that like the, the hunt mm-hmm. was very, that was the stressful part. Right. 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 Because Not the first hunt, but the second hunt. Right. Yeah, yeah. Because, because similarly we, we had a, a bigger, like a, a different list, right. but was more specialized. Yeah. And, well, and you have, you have two kids, right. And two kids in school that would potentially uh-huh. be disrupted, right. By moving. Yep. Potentially, yep. Right? And, and so then you're trying to figure out, okay, what, what if one kid, you know, goes into this magnet program, can we get right. busing, right, right, right. all that yep. kind of stuff. And so, so, yeah. Yeah. So, so, so stress, like it was, I, I, so, and it might not be like, I mean, I, maybe it is fairly obvious. The, that kind of situation for me is not where I like to spend my time and I get real stressed out about it. And mm-hmm. what I've learned as I've gotten older is not, is not to worry about it and literally to trust Danny, right? Like, uh-huh. like the stress part for me was like, well, what if I don't like it? What if I can't go, you know, go somewhere? What if it's, what if I don't like the driveway? What if there's gravel? Like, <laughs> what if you I know, don't like, like the driveway? Right, right. Like just, just terrible, like stupid things. Right. And, and she calls me on my, on my bullshit and is like, just don't be an idiot. Like, it's going to be fine. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to take you to a house that, that you don't like you. I'm, you know, she's, you know, this is her talking. She's like, I've known you for 20 years. I know the things you like. Why am I, why am I finding you a house that you don't like? And I'm like, okay, yeah, I, I trust you. And so once I released my, my apprehension and, and really didn't like, you know, I, part of it was, I just didn't want to move and, but, but knew that we had to, mm-hmm. and, and I couldn't see like, I, I got stressed out about, well, the, the living room, the TV might not be in the right place. And, and Danny, it's going to take me hours to get it right. And, and she's like, yeah, but it's going to take us years to like, you know, <laughs> to, to really like get over how terrible our current house is like right. not terrible, but not just unsuitable for us. Right. So, so let's, let's take your hours and say, yes, you're, you know, for two weeks, you're going to figure out all the right things and then it's going to be fine. And that will be a stress and you've got other things going on, but, but you'll just deal with it. And so I just kind of released and let go of that and a very much Aloha. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and, and it was, and that, so that, that, apprehension of all the things going around and me just trusting Danny made it way better. And she does like, like, this is the thing I, I, I also do not like control our finances or know much about what's happening. And I shouldn't say no much. Like I, I do know a little bit, but, but similarly that, that stuff really stresses me out and she's like, I got it. Don't worry. And so, so she, she really helped me move through my, my neuroses about, about moving and everything has been been great. Like 
I never want to leave this house. Like, like I, you know, and, 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 and I think we, I might've mentioned this a couple of weeks. Yeah. Last week when we were talking about bungalows and, and, and ranch style houses, one of the things that, that we kind of like, I guess, lucked into was like, oh, this is a house that as we get older, we don't have stairs. Like we could stay here for a long time in our like living space. And then there's an upstairs for, for where the kids go. So, so even that kind of stuff, she was, she like thinks about those things and I don't until we actually live here for three years. And I'm like, huh, yeah, that's a good choice on on a house on a neighborhood i i you know i love it but that that was the the stress for me was I, my immediate reaction sometimes is like i just don't want to do that and then i find all the little nitpicky things so i just had to like let all that go so cool. was that what you were asking about yeah yeah well i guess kind of that's kind of what i what i figured and our situation is is a, a little bit different no no kid constraints but we do have dog constraints and then like the, you know, who manages the money, you know, versus who wants to move is different. So, but because I just want to stay in the same place. But anyway, so bottom line is we're putting our house in the market. I'm excited about it. We're going to look at houses today. I'm awesome. excited about it. Apparently, so right now in New Jersey, it's a seller's market, which is really good um, for us because we want to sell our house. But it's also really bad because we need to buy a house. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's good if you... okay because if... mostly, mostly I think what, what Kristen was worried about was selling our house because she was just just afraid that <clears throat> it's just not, you know, I mean, she, she's just so tired of it and so sick of it. She just can't imagine anyone ever wanting to buy it ever. Cause she just oh. hates it so much. Right. And, and, and we have a, we have a fantastic realtor who is, who's very good at, at just sort of saying, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. I, you know, and part of the reason why we, we hired her is that she sold the house literally across the street from our house. So. Oh, awesome. So well, anyway, very nice lady. That's cool. So, so what, so are you, not to offset too much, but are are you staying? Are you are you staying in 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 freehold? Freehold? No, we are we are not. We are, not. We are moving. Uh, we are moving. We don't know yet, right? But we're moving closer to New Brunswick, where closer I, to New Brunswick. Gotcha. Where I don't yeah. ever go. But but I mean that's fine, and it'll be a little bit closer to her family, and yeah, just a little a little more house maybe, and then yeah, just a little yeah, just a little bit different. Change it up. So yeah. Hey, it's good. It's good to change things up. And you've been there quite, you know, quite some time, right? Like part part of this, Ben, I think this may be part of what's going on psychologically is I have lived in this house longer than I have ever lived anywhere, right? Longer than I lived anywhere in Ithaca while I was growing up because we moved a couple of times. But even, but again, you figure we've been here 18 years, right? I I wasn't born in Ithaca. I, I moved there when I was, when I was three or four. Um, and then, you know, I feel like I spent my life there, but, but I've actually lived here. It literally in this house longer than I've lived anywhere else, which is, which is kind of a weird, which, which kind of explains why it's very comfortable here. Right. Like I know, right. I know, I know everything. Right. But anyway, we're, we're going to change it up. Oh, what, one more thing. Just, I want to loop back. I just have to give a shout out. There is a, a wonderful, your, your story about Danny backpacking through Europe made me, well, let, let's play, let's play, I uh, guess the song. Oh, her, okay. her story about backpacking through Europe reminded me of a song. Guess oh, no. the song. Reading uh, lyrics to you, if you'd like. <clears throat> okay, go, go, go. Uh, I can go to Europe, travel with my friends. I can blow a thousand Deutschmarks to get drunk in a pub with some Australians, buy a giant backpack, sew a flag on the back. Does that, does that help at all? No, but this sounds like a Canadian wrote that song. They uh, did. They did, Ben. That's also why I thought of this song. Go to Europe and travel with my friends. I don't know. Who is it? Who is this a Rush song? Is this... It's not a Rush song. It's Bare Naked Ladies. Never is enough. Oh, it's a... Oh, that... See... There you go. No, I, 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 it was probably my excellent. my rendition of it that that. 
No, 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 no. You're good. You're good. That was that was great. It, there's something exciting about moving too, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like, oh, like yeah. that it's it's new and change. You know, like, and that that's the. I don't know that that's the crossroads of the whole thing, right? The, the I'm sure there's a German word for it that <laughs> for for <laughs> this exact situation. It's Rumspringa. It's, it's the Rumspringa of, of it. So it's it, it's kind of like and and actually I have a I have a, a colleague who just moved to who who lived in in Raleigh, but because of you know pandemic stuff and not needing to be in Raleigh all the time, she and her and her husband just moved to Wilmington and are still working you know here in in Raleigh. Wilmington's on on the on the ocean on the coast here in, in North Carolina. It's a beautiful town. And I talked to her this last week about it. And I was like, oh, it's just so exciting to like learn a new neighborhood and how where can I walk to? Mm-hmm. And what's what's the cool like where where's our where's our hangout restaurant and that kind of thing. So I, I do like that aspect of it, but also that's a you know, it, it, but that also comes with but I might have to move with the angle that I look at the TV, right? Like, <laughs> like this, right? Like the stupid things yeah. that, that I just like, that I've just had to like, let go and be like, yeah, Danny's right. She'll, it'll be, it'll be fine. And I need to trust her. So, well, good, good, good. Well, so anyway, so thank you for that. So I just want to get your perspective yeah. since you moved recently. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, experienced with moving. One time I moved uh, countries. <laughs> did uh, you, did you really? I did, and uh, yeah, we 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 came from from the neighbors of the north, and and our, our our furniture didn't didn't arrive for I think like six weeks. So that 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 apartment I told you about was extremely bare. <laughs> we we had a blow up mattress, two lawn chairs, a TV, and uh, a kid which who came with us. We brought him. For, you didn't yeah, send him with the furniture. We didn't. No, they they frowned upon that. So and and also like I started a new job and Danny was yeah, home yeah, with yeah. with Jack all day. We only had one car. Like it was. Yeah. Oh yeah. Anyway, that, that was. Whew. I also was in that situation. Moved to do a p- apartment, new job, uh, wife home all day with a kid, uh, only one car. Yeah. Or actually, I think we had two cars, but but it was yeah. It was it was yeah. Anyway, it was a. <clears throat> that was a long time ago. But actually, that was weird. That was longer. Like from when we moved into the house to now is twice as long as from when I first moved to New Jersey versus when I moved into this apartment, into wow. the house where I am now. So, oof, weird. Huh. Time is weird, man. Hey, people, it's, uh, time's a flat circle. People get old. Uh, sorry to sorry to throw you into a coughing fit. No. So okay, so we got we got that one one other thing I want I want to. So this is I, I don't know if this is homework, but this is a bit of a test because you know mm-hmm. how I like to figure out. What shows Kristen likes and what shows she doesn't like? Oh yeah, oh, I've got some show. Before we get to the foods, I've got some television updates for you for sure. Okay, so 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 I, I've got I, I got two things for you. One is we've we've talked about Dairy Girls, mm-hmm. and and I know Kristen did not like Dairy Girls because it was about a bunch of. I, I can't remember the exact quote, but it was something about I don't want to watch a, bunch, a show about a bunch of teenagers, teenage who, or, girls especially, teenage girls. Yeah. I I want I, wa- I want you to try it again because it is excellent. And there is a there's an episode in the second season that uh, let me let me find let me find the episode that I don't know if you can, if you will get it. Like I don't know if it's just such a great episode because I've watched the rest of it. But there's an episode in this second season where they go to a wedding and there's a thing that happens at Irish weddings that I didn't know about and that I don't know if you know about. But do you know the song Rock the Boat? I do not. So it's a it's a 70s song that that's like a it's like a funk song. I got if it's not by Aaliyah. Um, Hughes Corporation. Maybe this is it. Let's see if I can get it. 
Anyway, there's there's a song called Rock the Boat that that apparently at Irish weddings causes everyone to sit on the ground and pretend that they're in a boat. Oh, wow. And, and it's it's like fascinating. the Macarena, except sitting down. Right, right. And and so so <clears throat> so so anyway, I I went I, I I told you offline, but I went to a wedding last week and I, I do want to talk about that in the in the context of food safety and COVID-19. Mm. But Danny and I during this wedding like remembered this, this, like our favorite episode of, of, of dairy girls where they play rock the boat and everyone sits on the ground and it's hilarious. And, and I was like, I just want someone to request rock, rock the boat. And I want this to happen just magically. Cause it's, it's not something that I've ever seen before. And I, we've been to multiple weddings and, and anyway, it made me think back to our conversation about dairy girls. And I was like, I want to, I want to, I want to urge you to give it another chance. Cause I think it's, it's such a great show. And I think you'd like, it. it's very much like man down. Like it is, in the same kind of vein right, as right, that. Right. So that that was that was one piece. Now now here's another one because this got me thinking about another show that we just watched, which is Perry Mason on HBO. And so this is have you have you heard about this? I've heard of Perry Mason and I've watched the old shows with Raymond Burr. So so this is like it's like a reboot, but it's not a reboot. It's like a pre it's a prequel or to mm-hmm. to how Perry Mason became Perry Mason. And it's it, it it stars this the guy who's really, really great from the Americans, Matthew Reese. But but it's a real so it's a one of these like, you know, 10 episodes, mm-hmm. limited series. And and so what I want, I guess what I want you to like, <laughs> I think I think Kristen would like this show mm-hmm. because Perry Mason is not a bad person who who we're made to think is like our our the character that we want to love. Mm hmm. He is a he's a tortured he's 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 just a sad guy mm-hmm. and and it but it's but in his heart he wants to win for for people who have he, he wants justice mm-hmm. so I, so anyway I want I I would love for you to watch Perry Mason it's it's probably the best show that I've watched in like like a drama show this year like since the pandemic started it's the one that's really sticking in my mind I love I loved it so Perry Mason HBO. Cool. Well, so so I have a couple of recommendations, and I think I think we talked about this on the last show, which is not posted yet. Did we talk about Would I Lie to You? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So so that yeah. so another just a giant thumbs up for Would I Lie to You. Another show which people have been talking about on other podcasts, and I I got Kristen to watch it, and I think she's tolerating it. But I it is I think it's one of the best shows I've ever seen. Uh, is Ted Lasso. Oh yeah. So okay, I'm gonna that, on Apple Apple TV on Apple I'm, TV. You you watch it. Uh, on your Apple TV, in the Apple TV app, uh, using your Apple TV service. <laughs> I, w- I have all of those. Because Apple, Apple is very good at naming things. Yes, yeah, I will be watching that on the Apple TV. It's on Apple TV Plus. It's on the on the Plus. Yes, I think it's on the Apple TV Plus. Yeah, I, I will watch that. That's with uh, Jason Sudeikis. Yes, I, yes. I it, yeah, it's it's one of those. Yeah, it's it's one of those shows that I've also seen. I'm like, oh yeah, let's let's watch that. We watched. I, I may have mentioned this in a way long time ago podcast, but we watched the reboot of Amazing Stories, the Steven Spielberg produced mm-hmm. show that used to be on NBC back in the 80s. But Apple TV Plus also has a reboot of that, and it was really good. The kids loved it. So so and that you know that's our. I think that's that's where we've like weighed into Apple TV the most. So, but I'll check out Ted Lasso. So, have you finished it? Is it? No, oh, well, it, we're caught up. It's, they're still releasing new episodes. Ooh, ooh so, okay. Yeah. The, and then the, you know, the the other one that I that I really want to recommend is a show called No Offense, which is a British uh, police procedural, and it was created by Paul Abbott, who is the same guy that did Shameless. 
Oh, okay. Okay, and it is very, it's very good. It's got, uh, I think, I don't know all the names of all the people, but it's it's got, (laughs) well, I think, I think Joanna Scallon is the lead, which we know from a bunch of other British shows. But anyway, it's, 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 it's a, it's a police show and it's, but it's funny and it's, it's all, it's basically about these, all of these three very strong personality female cops who and it's manchester and so they've just got like you know wonderful manchester accents and it's just it's it's good it's it's really good i mean it's 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 funny it's 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 dark it's it's you know police procedural but it but it's got funny moments and anyway it's yeah it's we really we've devoured it and there were three series there's not going to be a fourth but we we really loved uh, watching the the three series that are there all right yeah, I will. Ch- I will check that out because I'm in. So this and I as I'm looking at the Wikipedia page, I know you're going to like it because it's dark. Everyone's wearing black. And I'm sure <laughs> I am sure that at least one of these one, one of these main characters has been on Doctor Who, which is the other key that I, I've not mentioned in previous Food Safety Talk podcast. But I know almost all the shows you, mac- you recommend, you're, you, you, there's so like, oh, and that person was in Doctor Who. But here's the thing, Ben. <laughs> there's only like 12 British actors like that. There's just like 12 or 13. Right. And so they're all in everything. And so eventually they're, you just see them all. They're BAFTA, BAFTA nominated. All of them. <laughs> all of Every, them. All, all the best BAFTAs. All right. Should we should we do some food safety things? I said we should get to it. All right. Well, so so there's OK. I, I even pulled some stuff up. I got a. I, I had a. So let me let me actually go into my email because I got a question last mm-hmm. night that that I wanted to talk through with you. I know that I like I know what the answer is, but I mm-hmm. want to talk through the complexity of this. Mm-hmm. OK, it's, it starts very cordially. Dr. Chapman, I hope you do, you're doing well. And I, and I said, I am. Thank you very much. I met you at a class that you taught in you know, X County on specialized processes. I wanted to know if you thought red or canned red beans. Oh, were, Ben. Yes. Whoa. You have a red bean. You got a canned Did, red bean. I, I have a, I got a red bean question yesterday. Oh my this gosh. Are spooky. We, <laughs> I wonder if it's, well, so, so if you, if, if, if you thought, Red beans, canned red beans, were a TCS product. Okay, hmm. so we, we'll, we'll it, I'll, let me finish the, the yep, email yep. and I'll come back to that. The T zone red bean ingredients are so I'm, I'm, you know, now have, have found that the T zone is the name of the company that's making these specific red beans. The T zone red beans are ingredients are red beans, refined sugar, sucrose, fatty acid esters, and salt. These tea places, like you know, like a, a bubble tea place, and other drinks are are under you know our North Carolina Department of Agriculture mostly. I wanted to know your thoughts on the red beans. Now, I understand it maybe it may need a challenge study and analysis, but any insight would be helpful. So, do you know do you know about the tea zone at all? I do not. So it's like a bubble bubble tea manufacturing place. I don't know a lot about bubble tea. Well. well I know that you know what I know, I know enough, enough to. About... No, I don't like it, and I will never have it. <laughs> ding, 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 ding! I almost like I almost said the exact same thing. I know enough that I don't like it. So, so T Zone they 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 put some red beans in their teas, and and this is what they are. So, so the the idea the question here. So a TCS product for listen maybe new listeners of the show. It, that's a that's a term that are that regulators, especially in the U.S., almost exclusively in the U.S., use, and it's it's local health departments or those who are regulating restaurants. And TCS stands for time temperature 
control for safety food because it's only one tea, but there are other teas that are involved. And and so that that what what this what what, what this question is about is once someone opens this can of beans, do they need to refrigerate the beans? And the the TCS part of that is could it support the growth of a pathogen if it was introduced, right? That so that's so that's the that that's the question. And so so anyway, I'll I'll give you what my answer. I was like, well, I think, you know, and I said once they're open, right? Like we're not talking about refrigerating a canned bean because no one it doesn't matter. Like it's not TCS until we've like you know, opened up the can, exposed it to the environment and added some oxygen into this. And my 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 said my what I said was my guess is that they are because it's a heat treated plant food and I guess I would guess that the pH is above 4.2, right? So there's my regulatory answer, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is yeah. Like the heat treated plant food is is something that that makes it, you know, the that that heat treatment changes the water activity of the of that product, and then pH is going to make it so if you had a pathogen there, it could grow. Mm-hmm. And so I said, I think just confirming the pH would tell us. Not you know, no, no need for a challenge study. And this might it's more of a like risky or not kind of question maybe, but I I like that's the regulatory my regulatory answer right. Like we find that the pH is like five point four. And it's heat treated. Yeah, it's a TCS food. Mm-hmm, I still right. think it's. I think the product's really low risk, though. If if someone opened up a can, right, and didn't refrigerate it, and protected it from contamination, I think the likelihood that a pathogen gets introduced into it is low. So, which is a totally different answer. Well, that and that's you know, and that's sort of that that's sort of addressed in the in the original IFT TCS document, right? Because there's an issue. That that was I, I referred to it in my mind as the Katie Swanson issue because <laughs> Katie repeatedly said, "Well, you know, uh, white bread will support the growth of Staphylococcus aureus, <laughs> but we don't refrigerate white bread." I love Katie because yeah. it's so yeah because it's so true and it's and if we use their definitions of pH and water activity, the inside of white bread would be a TCS food. Exactly, but we're not going to refrigerate and, it. Exactly, but the but again, this gets to the probability of what's the probability that the inside of white bread is going to contain Staphylococcus aureus, and I think the answer is probably quite low. Yeah, yep, 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 yeah, right, and and that it's it, it, and and in this, like, I think it's I think it's low, and I think if someone opens up a can, it, unless you know if they're controlling for all the other pathogens in their facility, and especially a bubble tea facility, right? Like this is this is where context and risk matters to me, right? Because if, if, if I'm handling a whole bunch of raw meat or I'm doing like fabricating, you know, because I can do this in a restaurant, fabricating charcuterie and, and I'm grinding up a bunch of stuff and, and I, I'm using the, you know, this really small kitchen, I might have a more likelihood, uh, a more likely chance of introducing a pathogen to my open can of red beans. But in the context of this facility, which is, you know, my, and again, my guess on this is it, I think it's really low risk. So would, would I, would I consider, you know, someone who's opening up a can of, of, of red beans and, and leaving it at room temperature for more than four hours out of compliance? Yes. But I, I wouldn't worry that it's leading to outbreaks. But now uh-huh. let me let me let me ask a follow up question because I've been as you've been talking I've been doing a little bit of googling for T zone red beans, and apparently you can buy T zone red beans or you can buy T zone red bean powder. Okay. Ooh, okay. T zone red beans only appear to come in one can size, which is seven point two five pounds. 
Yeah, so, yeah, 116 ounces. Yeah, so this is a lot of beans, right? And so yeah. my concern is that this can of beans is going to be, a, I mean, I don't know how fast they use it at the bubble tea place, right? But it's going to be around a long time. And so I, I, I have to say I'm more, I'm going to be, I'm going to, this is the show where we can dither and equivocate. Yeah. I'm going to say it's riskier than you think it is. <laughs> okay, okay. I, I will I will take your I will take your new information about the size, and say and that these, yes. And also these look awfully moist. I mean this. So, the, oh yeah. I suspect. And again, they, then what we see this. So for example, we see this in foods um, that are put out for service on uh, university uh, salad bar lines. Went back when we used to have salad bars and had universities, and and we'll see. Sometimes we'll get a sample that comes. It's a, a food that came from a can that has really high counts, and so the the problem with a product like this is because it's retorted it's basically it, you know it, it the structure of the beans has been opened up and there's no other competing microorganisms and so whatever you drop in there it's going to grow pretty well assuming the mm -hmm. ph and the water activity are are such that it can grow and i've got i've got to imagine it 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 will it will it will support growth and i would worry would worry about things like uh, bacillus maybe or yeah or staph you know? yeah yeah so I, I'm okay. I, I got you. So here's here's the way that I would manage this if I was this this uh, bubble tea per, you know provider is I would take this this big can, I'd open it up, I would take because I think well I don't know I mean so what I what I'm I'm reading directly from them where how this is you know uh, destined to be used. They're served atop traditional Asian shaved ice, frozen yogurt, slushes, or snow fluff. So so it's going to be cold, right? Right. So. Uh, the beans are going to be cold. Well, I mean, you're putting on something that's cold, right? Okay. All those other, all those other things are cold. So, but, well, but I'm just yeah. worried about that can of beans sitting there for oh, weeks yeah, on end with you know after it's been inoculated right. at room temperature, right? So what if I do? What if I do this? What if I open up my my can of beans, right? I'm I the stuff that I'm going to use today, I'm putting into some other smaller dish, and maybe I leave that at room temperature, and probably, and again, this is out of full context, and I'm reading into a bunch of stuff. Probably what's happening is this is in a in a well in some sort of a table that's just not holding temperature very well, right? right. Like, and and so so I'm I'm you know like, like a if you think about a frozen like frozen yogurt place where there's frozen uh, fruits, mm -hmm. mm. it's hard to keep that temperature in that, in that well, right? Like, like it's, it, you know, they're, they're, they're cold, they're, they're under chill, but, but that's my guess is it's something like that. So, so my well, if maybe I want to, what I want to do to be like totally in compliance with the law is to use time as a public health control, right? I can, I can say, okay, I'm, I'm only going to put stuff in this well for every four hours, and then I'm going to switch it out. And then I'm going to refrigerate the beans. And, and I'm not worried, I'm, I'm like, you know, not really concerned about the growth in those four hours in time as a public health control. And I'm still doing everything right, right? I'm not like, like, so I'm not, I don't have to, yes, it's a TCS food. And so time as a public health control, again, just to give everybody some context is a way that the food code allows restaurants to manage stuff like this by saying, we know that this is a food that can support growth of pathogens. We know it's hard to keep it either hot or cold based on your equipment. So you've got four hours to use it and you got to just note when you open up this can. But I guess the pro like, so here's the problem. Let me now, as I think through this for time as a public health, public health control to, to work, I got to start it at 41 degrees. See, I got to refrigerate these beans. That, that, that's the right. That's right. That's it. So okay. you refrigerate the can overnight before you're going to open it. I wouldn't. Here's the thing. I also wouldn't store it. 
I wouldn't store the unopened can in the refrigerator no. indefinitely because right. that's going to promote rust, which is going to yep. promote uh, leakage, right? And, and rusting through the container. So you need to refrigerate it basically prior to opening it. So it starts off at refrigeration temperature, and then you're going to put it into your cold holding. And then again, ideally you'll, you'll just put out enough or, or put out enough, you know, so that you throw it out at the end of the day or you refill it. I mean, it's, yeah, it, yeah it, I think you are going to have to manage this pretty carefully. You got to start refrigerated. Yep. Like if you're going to do it right, right. Like either, either they're, yeah. Okay. All right. Now I, now I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I, this is one where I, I, I think if I was thinking about a small can of beans that, that I'm going to use, you know, uh, you know, every hour in my shift and uh, I, we're in a different situation, right? I still am out of compliance with time as a public health control, but I don't think I'm going to get a, a risky growth, but it's something like this. Yeah. I'm going to have to start refrigerated and then, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, good. I mean, so this I'm, I'm I'll link to this once we post it up because the uh, my answer was m not nearly as as complete as what the conversation we just had to this to the local <laughs> health department where I was like hey just check the pH and it'll tell you whether it's TCS or not but there's more there's more to to this why someone wants to know that so yeah so right. anyway that's right. so what's your red bean what well, was your red bean situation it, it is it is completely unrelated okay so I, I I sent you a link which you can take a look at I, I this, this is a message that came in from one of our county uh, folks county faculty and I won't I won't I won't out her although I guess I just by, by saying a her I've, I've narrowed it down although most of our most of our family consumer family and community health science educators are women. So she's preparing for a presentation and she says, I want to question a couple of things. I, 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 let's see. Well, so, so first of all, this is Academy of Nutrition article says, and this is a 10 food safety tips for the slow cooker. It says, prepare meat and vegetables separately. And she says, what do you think? Is it dangerous to combine meat and veggies in a freezer bag with sauce and then let it all fall to thaw together before it's cooked? Okay, so that's the first question, which is not Got related it. to red beans. Okay, but I want you to be thinking about the answer, and then Got I'm going to set up, set up the red beans question in a minute. And she says, also, did you hear anything about kidney beans that aren't safe to cook in a slow cooker because of a protein called phytohemagglutinin? That's uh, that's toxic and won't be destroyed when cooked in a slow cooker. And so, and I've got a, a more longer answer about that. But first, let's just talk about these uh, ten food safety tips for the slow cooker. And do you? Does, <laughs> what's your What's your take on this? What's your hot take on the slow cooker? Um, I use a slow cooker often. So there's my, I'll give you my like hot, first hot take. This is a, a tool that, that we have, especially when we used to do a lot of hockey, which we don't do anymore. Cause well, we do less hockey now, but you know, like a, on a, on an evening we would, you know, start something mid afternoon and come back to a nice hot meal. But I know about temperatures in my slow cooker cause I've spent a lot of time on this and my, our slow cooker really gets into the 180, 190 range and there's a lot of liquid. So I, from a, from a temperature standpoint, you know, there's a few uh, areas, you know, number five on this list is pay attention to temperature. I, I have no concerns about, about the pathogen killing ability of my, of my slow cooker. We have also anecdotally, cooked some stuff from frozen and looked at how long it took us to get that, depending on the size of the, the cuts of meat. And I don't have any concerns with cooking in the, the recipes that I've used cooking from frozen, which is something that people don't really talk about. You know, you shouldn't do in, in a slow cooker standpoint. So that those are my, those are my initial 
initial thoughts. But this, prepare meats and vegetables separately. If you prep your meat and vegetables beforehand, store them separately in your fridge to avoid cross-contamination. I don't understand that. Exactly. Uh, it's it's bananas. It makes it makes no sense. You're going to put all this together in a pot. It doesn't it doesn't mean yes, cro- we should avoid cross-contamination as a general rule, but in this case it's it's bananas. It's planned. I'm planning right. to cross-contaminate. I, 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 yes, they're all going to be cross-contaminated <laughs> later. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's like saying like if you roast potatoes around a roast in your in your oven, well, do you should do that in a separate pan because the roast might cross-contaminate the potatoes. Except we're cooking all of it to way higher temperatures for a longer amount of time for pathogen reduction. Yeah, right. no, that yeah. So and then number four I mentioned about always fro- defrost meat or poultry before cooking the, putting it in the slow cooker. I think that like like I said, I think that the size of the the cut of meat matters here, right? Always is is too is too much. And and I and this is one where I actually had a conversation with a couple of folks on my team the last couple of days. This is one that's on my like lists of myths that I think we need to do some data. We we need to use data loggers yep. and and actually like give the parameters for this, right? Like if you're if you're cutting up cubes of stewed meat that are frozen in from from my my experimentation at my house and doing a lot of temperature, I, I have no problems with that. You know, two inch cubes are are gonna cook very quickly. If I'm putting a seven pound roast with no room for liquid around it, that's a different situation. Right. And in and in fact, if if it was the cubes of meat scenario, um actually thawing that first is probably riskier. Absolutely. Right? Because now you're spreading that that liquid around your kitchen versus if you're if you're not, it's all just contained in the slow cooker and it's all going to get cooked. Right. And so so Don, actually both of these points that we're talking about it is I I think I think it's important like maybe this is where you and I delineate from from others. Mm. And and it's not just you and I. It's I mean, I think when 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 we're looking at a risk-based process for making food, right? Whether it's in our home or in uh, a, a kitchen in a restaurant or even in a food processing plant, we're, we're really looking at the flow from start to finish, not, not this one aspect of meal preparation, which is cooking, how I get it into my, like, if I think about what we're trying to do in a HACCP plan is how do I get the food? How do I store the food? How do I prepare the food? How do I inactivate the pathogen somehow with cooking or with acid or whatever? And, and then what do I do with it afterwards? Right. And, and th- an article like this only looks at the one part when you put it in your into your slow cooker as as a as as a as a risk standpoint, right? So yeah, I, I mean, I totally agree with you. It's not as simple as it, it actually might be riskier to take all of those those cubes, thaw them, think about where the juices are going to go. Now I have to manage cleaning and sanitizing in a different you know in a different way than I would if I just open up that frozen and threw it into the in the slow cooker. Yeah, look at the process, not the. Not the one thing. Yeah, and I think, you know, and I'm trying to think, like, why, I mean, so I think this is a really, this has become a thing for me to talk about, and 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 again, it's great to have the opportunity to do it with you on the podcast as well, and maybe it's because, like, I work with a variety of audiences, right? I work with food processors, I work with folks in food service, and I work with consumers, and maybe historically, people that have worked with consumers have not been people that work with those other audiences, and so they tend to give very sort of simple because i mean you know pe- we want to give people a simple message right and so they want to give consumers a simple message and they say things like don't cross contaminate right but 
but I, I think the time for that is done, right? I, I'm, I'm, and again, we've talked about this on the podcast, right? Like, I, I think it's time to be, I think people can handle it. Give them a complicated message, right? I mean, that's the whole idea of, of, of maybe of risky or not in part is like, well, we're going to, we're going to get, maybe explode some myths here. Right. Um, right, right. Like we could, we're going to literally bust some myths, Ben. We should, we should make a TV show. Myth, we should be the, the food safety myth busters. <laughs> yes, Absolutely. All right, so so on this, I guess you did a little digging on the red bean question. Yeah, and so, so what me, did you gonna, what did you send, find gonna, on that? Yeah, I'm going to send you a link, okay? And and it turns out it's it's actually it's actually really hard to find stuff. And I haven't I sent you a link. I haven't actually read this article yet because I don't we don't, I don't have access to it. But I did I did request it from the university interlibrary loan. But I do have the the abstract. And and it turns out that there there is a significant risk of toxicity from consumption of kidney beans. And and again I didn't do enough digging to really round this out. But if you but if you Google you know, kidney beans and lectins or what was the word of uh, phytohemagglutinin, this, there are these compounds in, in some foods and you cannot eat them raw. They will cause gastrointestinal distress. And again, and again, it seems to have specifically been studied in the, the UK. And the, this article was published online in 2017, but it's actually a much older article. It's from 1982. And I'll huh. just read to you from the abstract. So recently, there have been 25 outbreaks of food poisoning reported in Great Britain, totaling about 100 persons arising from raw or undercooked red kidney beans, Phaseolus vulgaris. A public television program resulted in 330 letters, totaling 880 cases, apparently from the same cause, indicating this is a greater spread of this problem than was realized. And so... But then going into the literature and trying to come say, say, okay, well, all right, so epidemiologically, and we know it's a problem, trying to go into the literature, and again, I admit this is, you know, toxicology is not my area, right? But trying to go into the literature and try to figure out, you know, find some papers that have actually studied this so that we can give people practical recommendations. This is the best paper that I got, which basically shows the toxin is completely destroyed. And again, I don't get me started with completely destroyed. The toxin is, is inactivated to a level where it doesn't cause um, reaction, right? So it's not, it's probably might not be completely destroyed. There might right, still right. be 0.1% there, right? But anyway, don't get me started about by about 10 minutes boiling although there appears to be some variation in the stability of the toxin in different samples of beans. And so th this is also a little bit nuanced because there are different types of beans. There's different cultivars. They might have different starting levels of toxin. They might have different resistance. The, the toxin might be more or less heat resistant. But, and then again, here's another interesting punchline. Heating at 80 degrees C increases the amount of lectin as determined by in vitro hemagglutination about fivefold. So incompletely cooked beans may be more toxic than when eaten raw. And so Again, I would love to dig more into this, but this, the simple answer to give to my, my colleague who is who's preparing her presentation is, okay, if you're going to use red beans in your slow cooker recipe, uh, you need to make sure that it, that that slow cooker gets to boiling for 10 minutes. Now, again, and you're the, you're the slow cooker expert. Have you, have you ever cooked with uh, red beans and, and do you know could your slow cooker achieve boiling for 10 minutes? Or is that okay. kind of counter purpose of a slow cooker? So, so I have not cooked with red beans and, and this is uh, similar to the bubble tea situation. I don't, I don't really like beans. The only beans I like are black beans. <laughs> ah. And, and so, and so, so yeah, but I would, I would certainly 
not bet on my slow cooker being able to boil something for 10 minutes. Right. Like, like I, it, it is the, 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 I, I believe on low, it gets to like 165. And again, this is here. It's, it's a simmer, right? Like the, the way that you're using a slow cooker is not convection heat. It's conduction with, you know, the, the basin is, is heating up liquid and the liquid is simmering around the meat. Right. Mm -hmm. So low, I think is 165 high is like 180 to 185. But but it's certainly not too. We're not at 212 degrees Fahrenheit, and 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 it may bubble over time. But it's I would not I would not say that that's quote boiling. Right. Now, now what's what's 185 in this? Okay, so in this abstract, let me let, let's go look at this because I just found something else for us to talk about on mm -hmm. this. Heating at 80 degrees increases the amount of lectin, and my guess is that a slow cooker is around 80 degrees Celsius. So it might be a really bad idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. AC and is ding 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 176. Yep. Right in between the high and low, right? So so yeah, I mean, I I I but okay. So so why if if this is all the case, why don't we see why don't we have like a history of illnesses in this? I think maybe cuz people just boil the heck. Oh well, and who knows if we have a history of illnesses, right? We we might have illnesses, right? Or yeah, people okay. are, people are either boiling it because they've been they've been told to do that or yeah or not i mean yeah i don't know i mean again to see see for example this you know this this story about the the public television program in the 1980s pulling cases out of the woodwork so we might actually be seeing cases we might be actually seeing cases okay so as you were talking through this because all good podcasters is two white guys googling i found an article from 1980 in the british medical journal mm -hmm. which is which is different than the one that you were talking about mm -hmm. but it is referenced in an mmwr mm -hmm. article so so the element so what led me here was because i that was the question i wanted i was like okay let's see if i can find like red you know kidney beans outbreak right so mmwr article which we'll also link to i'll send you that is entitled Outbreaks of gastrointestinal illness of unknown etiology associated yep. with eating burritos, United States, 1997 to 1998. And in that article, there's a reference to an, an, another article called Food Poisoning from Raw Kidney, Red Kidney Beans that was in the British Medical Journal in 1980. And so this article by Norman Noah and, and colleagues, summary and conclusions, because the British Medical Journal is excellent. The consumption of raw red kidney beans may lead to acute gastroenteritis, which may be severe. The toxic factor is most probably a hemagglutin that is destroyed by adequate cooking. And so, so this actually, so, so my, my, I answered my own question, which was how come we haven't seen a bunch of these illnesses? And in fact, in this paper, they highlight it's seven incidents from 1976 to 1979 of soaked raw some eaten raw, some casseroled at 150 to 160 degrees for three hours, beans, uh, and one in a slow cooker. So, so I actually think that this is, you know, going back 40 years, we, we actually are looking at, you know, there, there have been illnesses. It's just that probably people don't like undercooked red kidney beans, right? So, but if they're in a slow cooker and the, uh, you know, incident number five in 1979, three people got sick with nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea. I mean, the the tri the trifecta incubation period was two to three hours. Mm -hmm. It was soaked in casserole and cooked in a slow cooker. I think we might be seeing, yeah, this is something that that could that that certainly is not something that I would want to eat in a in a slow cooker, at least in my slow cooker. Yeah. 
And I also want to, I want to give a shout out to a journal, uh, a, a, a journal of food science article from 1983, which I, I, I think I sent you a link to. Yeah. And then, and I, I love, there's only one figure. This is back when you could publish a paper with one figure, apparently one figure and what it, it shows on the on the y-axis is hemagglutin units per gram, but it's it's on a log scale, Ben, just the way we kill oh. organisms. And you can see, wow. it, hated at 65, you can go 12, 65 degrees C, 12 hours, No, it be, you basically get a half a log reduction, right? And then they look at the level in canned foods, and then they looked at, at heating at 80 degrees and 100 degrees, or pressure cooked for different amounts of time. Oh, and that, that's, uh, the, the time scale is a little wacky there. I guess it's sort of a truncated scale, but that, I guess they have the, the tick marks. It's okay. But anyway, I love the kinetics here. This is actually the article that I was looking for yesterday, which would have said, okay, basically you need to heat it at 80 degrees, you know, for a, a while, right? Or, how, or yeah, how long? It. Yeah, so 80 degrees for two hours. Okay, so you know what? I I actually probably do that in my slow cooker. Okay. So, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but this is one where it's like not super simple, right? Like right. I need to know how I, first of all, I need to know what the temperature of my slow cooker gets to. And then I also need to track once those beans have reached 80 degrees that I'm, I'm, I'm now cooking it for two, for two hours. Right. Like, right. so, wow. Okay. This is, this is a fascinating one. Good. Thank you for the person you dox yeah, on asking this so question. Thanks, this is, thanks to thanks to Sarah who who you know procrastinates, but because <laughs> uh, she needed help at the last minute, and I helped her. She's she's nice. She's great. She's she's one of our new newer people, and and she's been fantastic. I don't think she listens, but but she's she's great. I mean, I, I I've worked with her on a bunch of different things, and um, oh, this is, yeah, she's good. This is great. Okay, so I got something else that came. Uh, it's all it's all like anonymous things this week. So so oh, I got well. A, speaking okay. of some somewhat anonymous things, we should also talk about what was, what was the expression. Something about, let's see, Mad Roger. I put it in the Dropbox. Roger's Hot Mad. We got to talk about how Roger's Hot Mad. Oh, we got to, yeah, Roger's Hot, Roger's hot Mad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, Okay, <laughs> we'll get to that. Okay, so so I, 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 got a, I got a DM in my tweets, in my, <laughs> in my tweet box over the weekend that was uh, linked to an article that's in, like, produced by uh, a group that, that I know lots of people in, 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 my, in my department. And so it's, this, it's a Eat Smart, Move More, Way Less is the, is the program, and it's run uh, by uh, some folks in, in our department of health and also my, my department head is one of the, one of the PIs on this, on this project. So, so here's, so the, the email that under the, the message that I got was, and you, you won't see this cause I, I didn't show my, my DMS, but they linked to this article that I just sent you. And the article is 10 foods to always keep in your freezer. Mm-hmm. And the message I got was, I can't believe NC state extension is showing salmon in vacuum seal packs thawing in the fridge. Mm. This extension master food volunteer has listened to risky or not set him straight <laughs> professor Chapman. So. So, but here's, so, and, and I, I looked at it. Okay. So, so, so uh, the link was to uh, an article came out in August called 10 foods to always keep in your freezer. Right. And you know, people love lists. This is, in fact, there's a name for it, right? They're listicles, yes. which, which I don't know what that word, it, it always makes me snicker because it, it's so close to testicles. Um, <laughs> And I don't think it is it, it is at, at all related to that, but it is, uh, according to the dictionary, a piece of writing or other content presented wholly or partly form in a list. And a recent BuzzFeed listicle called 21 Pictures That Will Restore Your Faith in Humanity has attracted more than 13 million views. So we got a listicle here, right? So on the list, things that you got, always have in your fridge, Don. Mm. Ginger, brown rice, broccoli. And we get down here, salmon. 
And so, so it has a very small line that says salmon. I like to buy salmon in bulk. So storing extras in the freezer makes the most sense. I pull a couple of fillets or fillets as we call them in the, in Canada out the night before it'll be thawed in time for dinner. And so the, the, what's being implied here is that you pull salmon out of your fridge in its, you know, and, and the picture here is a vacuum packed salmon, salmon fillet. And then you put that into your, in, into your refrigerator and you leave it overnight to thaw. And so we talked about this in, in our, in our other podcast called risk or not. And I will, we'll, we'll link to this as well, but let me go back to our, where is it? The number it's episode 34 thawing frozen fish in vacuum packed bags. Dr. Don, this is our, our very quick note. Dr. Don and Professor Ben talk about the risks of thawing frozen fish in vacuum packed bags. Dr. Don, risky. Professor Ben, risky. And and here's the like, I guess the part where we can dither and equivocate, right? Mm-hmm. This is the uh, show I, for doing that. This is literally yeah, the show for doing that. This is the other one. So <laughs> so it's it's risky if we're put on the spot. I I don't think, and I think there's a really quick fix here for this, right? So, so the, the idea is that there's a picture somewhere. In fact, if you link to this, there is a picture in the like Twitter thing of uh, a fridge and, and I can't uh, like literally cannot see in this person's fridge, whether there is salmon that is in the bag thawing, but the real important part is, did they cut the bag open? Right. But you can, you can see vacuum packed salmon apparently sitting on a countertop in the actual blog post, right? Right, right. Which, but, which is totally fine, right? Because time and temperature matters. I need right. to be like, right? So so I think there's a really quick fix for this, which I haven't yet done, which is to send the author of the article, you know, just a, just a note after this, this, song, exactly. this yep. line that says, make sure that, that you cut the bag to reduce exactly. the likelihood of, uh, of Clostridium botulinum. But- very cool that risky or not is leading t- folks to like look at stuff like this in a way that they might not have looked at it in the past. Yeah. And, and I, and I, and it's great. And it's like, yeah, this, and, and it goes back to, uh, you know, today's just like in a, in a Fred Rogers show or Sesame street today's focus is people can handle more, more information than less, right? Let's, let's be more complicated because we have more space on the internet for this kind of stuff. I think adding that note is just fine. Let's talk about it as opposed to, don't use salmon in the refrigerator, right? Like that's not, I think there is a way to thaw, you know, package salmon in the refrigerator, safely cut it open, let it have air around it. Brought to you by the letter T. Brought to you by the letter T. Nice, for, nice. What stands for testicles. <laughs> the, yeah, testicles. Listicles or testicles. Are they the same? I don't know. So yeah. So anyway, that was that, that was good. So thank you for anonymous DMer who I won't I won't dox. But yeah. but and, it was really. And again, the, the episode of Risky or Not is entitled "Thawing Frozen Fish in Vacuum Packed Bag." We could do another episode entitled "Thawing Frozen Fish in a Cut Open Vacuum Packed Bag." Right? Not risky. <laughs> Not risky. Not risky. Not risky. Yeah. So good. Good stuff. Okay, so 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 Roger's hot mad. Yeah, so Roger <laughs> Roger is hot mad. So we should we should explain here. We'll give context to people. So this is this is a message that I guess we can we can we can we haven't asked her permission. So th- this is a message that comes to us from a friend of ours who's been who's who's a fan of the show. I think she listens. She's no longer banned from listening. And no, she's, she's allowed to listen. She's now. allowed to listen. And she's part of a well, she's part of a group that's working on COVID-19 in the food supply. And she's also part of an expert group that of which she is a member, of which I am not because apparently I was born at the wrong time in the wrong country. <laughs> not that I'm angry. 
Okay. Not, that, not, not angry at all about that. Anyway, so they're, they, so she's, she, anyway, she's part of a, a big fancy food safety group. And, and so, yeah, so here is a, let's see. Well, where should we, where should I, it's, it's where, where should we start with this? I mean, Roger is hot mad. I, yeah, Roger's not mad. I think this is where we start okay. start with it. it. It's that there is there, and I think we might have talked about this somewhere. But there's a paper that was that was published, but not really published, right? It's it's a paper that that existed in pre 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 peer review about, and it's entitled "Long Term Survival of Salmon Attached SARS-CoV-2 at Four Degrees Celsius as a Potential Source of Transmission in Seafood Markets." Right. So so this is. You know, in the world of journals, in the world of everybody is really trying to scramble to learn as much as we can about SARS-CoV-2 and what happens to it. People are releasing lots of stuff that that might be good science, might be bad science, and might lead to bad science that's leading to, well, to bad. I, yeah, yeah. I would I would say it's not it's not bad science. In yeah, the, right, it appears to be correctly executed. It's just the interpretation of the science is is I think flawed clearly is is flawed right so you because you could do an experiment that says one thing and then you say that that means something else that's that's not fair right and that and that in fact can lead to to problems because people who are not scientists will read your preprint and then they will not you know they'll they'll not you 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 set them up you set them down the wrong path with the things that you write that are not you can you talk you, you did the experiment you talk about the experiment but then when you talk about the implications if you don't do that right you end up misleading and 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 upsetting Roger <laughs> right yeah and Roger will be hot mad yeah and and so this is yeah I I I, I agree with you and I, I guess where I put bad what I what I mean by bad, bad science is looking at it as as the whole right which is yes the experiment i think was was done correctly the the answer that the interpretation in the discussion is the part that i would i would disagree with and then the interpretation post discussion not by the authors the you know jumping to the next conclusions is is really the issue so so what what happens and and i will link to this i you know so so and and this paper is doing something that hasn't it like again not going through peer review yet, but it's doing something that just hasn't existed yet. So essentially the, the authors attached the virus to salmon. Then no, they, did they attach it? Did they, they took the virus it, and they put it on salmon. Yeah. They true, true. Salmon true. attached virus, but I, do. I mean, it's really just salmon in it's virus in contact with salmon. Yeah. Yeah. That's they, they, they placed it on some salmon and then they stored it for some time at a couple of different temperatures. And then they tried to remove the virus from the salmon that they placed it on, right? Like that's the that that's our 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 basic. And what they what they found was that they could very much remove the virus at at some level that that went down in time at, at different you know, and especially more they could recover more of it after a longer amount of time at a cooler temperature. Okay, right. Right. You're, right. 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 Yep. So. So, yeah, that's that. That's I, I think that's important information. What it doesn't tell us about at all is whether salmon itself is a vehicle for, you know, transmitting the virus that leads to illness or is depositing it. Uh, if it's on salmon is now me handling that 
and then depositing on surfaces, is that is that a risk factor for for illness? And and so the nuance of it is what I think gets Roger hot mad, right? Right. And and I so and here's the and I'm gonna I'll, I'll be I, I started writing this email this morning and then I st- I stopped writing it, but I'll I'll tell it to you because Don, it's just you and I here, right? It's, yep, uh, just I'm, I'm leaning into the microphone. It's I'm, I'm just you know I don't want to hear anybody else to hear this. It's a little bit of foley happening right here. If if people are hot mad about this, you know what they can do, Don? They could go to the internet. Yeah, they can. They, they, could, they go to Twitter. They could be part of the discussion and tell people why they're hot mad at it. Right? They could. They could. I, and, I know. I I think that that would be that would be a good thing. Yeah. So I do. I do want to call out. So so there's one. There's something I like about this paper. Uh, and this is not the paper I thought it was. I thought this was. I thought this was a different paper. In this paper, they actually did TCID 50, right? And we've talked yes, about, yeah. we've talked about, you know, how you enumerate the virus. Do you use uh, PCR to look for viral RNA or do you actually test to see that the virus is infectious? And, and they, they look for infectious virus, which, which I think is really good, right? And they showed that well, they have this untreated virus. It's like, well, untreated, uh, what, what really that is, is, is not, it's not untreated virus. It's virus that's just being stored in this DMEM uh, liquid medium, right? Versus a virus that's on salmon. And guess what? It, if, if you put the virus, if you put the virus on the salmon, it, 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 you, you have less there. You, you remove, you don't remove all of it versus the, the virus that's just in the, in the DMEM medium, right? And so number one, putting salmon in actually lowers the risk, right? And then, and then it looks like the kinetics, it looks like it might even die faster or might become inactive faster in association with the salmon. So, yeah. so salmon yep. is actually lowering the risk, right? What raises the risk is moving the temperature from 25 to degrees C to four degrees C. And they, they did these experiments with salmon at 25 degrees C for 12 days. That must've been pretty, pretty ripe. Oh gosh. And yeah, I don't, I'm not, I'm so, not sure. What but that's like. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, so, so, so they did this experiment and they found some results and it's good information, but it doesn't, it doesn't say anything about whether people are going to get sick from salmon that has, that has the virus on it. So. Right, right. And, and I, yeah. And, and I think that this is, this is the type of stuff that we need more of. Right. And. Oh yeah, and, for sure. And, and, the, but, but I guess the, like, here's my, here's my, my message to Matt Hot Roger, which I, which I've talked to him in other cases about this and, 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 and without docs and Matt hot Roger, he, he works for an organization that doesn't, you know, it, it's, it's, it's not as easy for, for him to talk about stuff publicly as it is for us. Right? Exactly. Like, yeah, he has so, to go through channels. Yeah. He's got, he's got people that he's got to ask and, 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 and it, that it, so, but part of once the story's out there, we all have to contribute to, to explaining what we see on this and, and being part of that story is takes time and it's frustrating and and for for some and for for some some folks don't want to do it at all and in fact this leads to another like i think interesting conversation that you and i had with on over twitter with with an australian science communicator lee constable over the weekend as well about scientists who are communicators and educators that that sometimes it's i don't know so there are challenges, right? Not everybody wants to do this. Not everybody wants to talk about it. Not everybody wants to talk to a journalist and spend sometimes, you know, an hour explaining what virus titer is, right? Like, right. like that, like, so, so, so that the, the person who is writing the story and is writing the coverage about this kind of understands the limitations of what it is in the, in, in, in the, in, in the, in the paper. But, but it's, but like, the, I don't know, 
the 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 easy parts complaining about it the hard parts doing it yeah and while, while i've said some good things about the paper now i want to say a couple bad things they never define what DMEM is, right? So this is some sort of medium. So this, at the, as, as it's currently written, this, this work is not reproducible, at least not by me, for a variety of reasons. But number one being, I don't know what DMEM is. Now, of course, I can, I can Google that and look it up, but that's just sloppy, okay? And then also, I want to say, I'm going to look at the end of the manuscript, and they said, this means that virus attached on fish skin and sold in fish or seafood markets can survive for a long time. No. No, what you need to do is you need to report the half-life or the log reduction versus time. It's, yep. not, it's not about a long time. It's about what is the rate of reduction, right? So, 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 so that's, not, that's not right. I believe that that is not a correct scientific phrasing. They also say, yeah, can survive for more than one week. Well, that's, again, it, it, what matters is the half-life, right, or the a reduction, reduction rate. And then the final sentence is complete nonsense. This calls yes. for strict inspection or detection of SARS-CoV-2 as a critical new protocol in fish importation and exportation before allowing sales. No, it doesn't. It absolutely does not. It does not call for that at all. What it says is, well, now we know. We know which, which and again, it's the, the, these results, if you had to, if you told me, you, you, Don, you have to guess what the log reduction is on salmon at four degrees, I could, I could have given you a really good guess because actually we've got a paper on that, right? That was published and peer reviewed where we analyzed um, coronavirus survival, not on food, but I bet you, because there's pretty big confidence intervals, I bet you that, that the rate that they have is well within the rate that, we, that, we, that our model will predict, right? And so this is just, it's just not, it's not that, it's, it's not bad science. It's just not terribly exciting and probably not even that useful, right? In right, right. In terms of helping us to make decisions. And certainly but, calling for strict inspection is just nonsense. Well, and, and here's the, so, so you and I spent uh, a couple hours yesterday um, on a phone call man, about managing a, a journal that we're on the editorial board for, a really good journal, Food Protection Trends. And this is why we have journals and this is why we have reviews. And this is one of the limitations of this peer, peer, pre peer review process, because I think when this goes through peer review, that last sentence comes out, right? Because there's no way that, that a reviewer is going to look at this. Well, there's no, no way that I'm looking at this paper as a reviewer and saying that this data calls for strict inspection or detection of SARS-CoV-2 in fish importation, right? Like that, that you were jumping to like nine conclusions from, from the data that that's here. It doesn't, it doesn't call for that. That in fact is a risk management decision, not, not a conclusion to, to a paper that's telling us about survivability. Yeah. Uh, and I, I call people out for this. I just did it just the other day on a paper that I reviewed where they said, well, and this proves this is safe or, you know, it's like, no, no, you know, it doesn't people, I, I could, I, I think I am literally going to spend the rest of my career explaining the difference between risk assessment and risk management to people because they just don't get it. Right, right. And, and it's, yes. But, once, but here's, once you get it, Ben, it is, and, and, and this is not, this is not just true amongst normal people. Again, I, I am, I, again, I, I will give a shout out to This Week in Virology, which is a great podcast, but they fundamentally don't get it. They, they, they get trapped in these policy discussions and they don't, and there's, there's one guy on the show, Alan Dove, who does get it, but he's a science journalist. He's not who writes about policy. The other, the other pure scientists, they just don't get it. And so it's not, it's not bad that people don't get it. But my, my work here is not done. Yeah. Right. 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 I, like absolutely, absolutely. Hey, guess what? What? 
breaking news, a press release went out, I, I believe. It looks like late last night that we, you and I are on a project that got, got funded for some some money around SARS-CoV-2 and food safety that I, someone just emailed me. Huh. That's, that's very exciting. Uh, really, I wish I I'm knew really, about that. I'm really glad that uh, we can tell people now. Jesus Christ. I wish we I wish wish we got a little heads up on that. So so there you go. Yeah, so so, so there there we'll you go. Can you can you send me a link? We'll, we'll link to it oh, here yeah. in the show notes. You heard it I'll here for you heard it here first, folks. This is the this is so if you've been paying attention and and uh-huh. you people who listen to this podcast, you have all been paying you're very careful listeners. You've been heard Ben and I dancing around something. This is the thing that we've been dancing around. The fact that we've been funded by we we've, we've known for some time now, we've been funded by USDA to basically do research around SARS CoV two, COVID nineteen and the food supply. But because of bureaucratic hurdles and delays we've we've been instructed not to talk about it until until we could could talk about it and now apparently we can talk about it. I guess it's on a, it's on a website in the in yeah in in the in the world of uh, everybody knows it's a, it's out there. So yeah, so we're we're doing we're doing some we're doing some fun stuff. So the so so we'll we'll link to, to to this this announcement, but it's also the the project that that Don and I are on is with our uh, friend of the show and colleague, someone who's not banned, Michelle Danilock, as well as another friend of the show. But he doesn't listen to this show; he listens to Risky or Not because it's shorter. Byron Chavez. So we're we, we're creating a, a collaborative approach to managing SARS-CoV-2 within the food food industry, filling data gaps and impacting behaviors. And it's a project uh, that we are calling uh, Food Net. So more on that uh, later. But yeah, there we go, Don. It's in the it's in the open. It's out there. Cool. Very cool. Exciting. Cool. Cool. Now we got to actually yeah. do the work. Now we're yeah. Now we're doing the work for sure. <laughs> so anyway, cool. Good. Good stuff. So sorry to sorry, like sorry to pivot there uh, off no, of something. Good. I, just... I I thought you were going to tell me the breaking news that uh, Diana Rick has passed away, and that that made me very sad. I saw that on Twitter earlier in the show. No, who's that? I don't know who's Diana Rick. Oh, is she on one she's of those? On the Avengers. She's an old older oh, oh. older British lady actress. Emma <laughs> plays Emma Peel in the Avengers with John Steed. Just, yeah, yeah. You don't know anything I rem- about this. Okay. Well, I know of the uh, I, I know of the Avengers. Okay, not like the, I, not the Marvel Avengers. No, I know Brit- it was like a st- spies, right? Uh, yes, yes, good, good, good. Yeah, Diane Di- is it Diane Ricketts? Rig, Diana. Diane Rig. Rig, Diana Rig, Diana Rig. I'm looking at I'm looking her up. Cool. Huh, well, not cool. Oh yeah, see, she's also been in other things. Yes, yes, she's, um, one, of, she's one of those thirteen British actors. Yeah, I was she was about before. There are only twelve. I'm, Oh, I'm, I'm, I am. Well, I, it would, it would surprise me if she wasn't BAFTA nominated. <laughs> <laughs> she was in. Okay. So, so here's, let me, let me give you the, the generational aspect of, of what we do. Oh, she was in, I, she was in uh, that TV show you like, uh, GOT. Exactly. That's what the, I'm like. I know her from, from the, from the Game of Thrones. Yeah. She was, the, the, she played a really, I, I really liked her character in that, in that show. So, yeah, so oh, that's too bad about, about Diana, Diana, Dame Ednid, Enid, not Enid, Enid, another great Bare Naked Ladies song, Diana Elizabeth Rigg. Uh, rest in, rest uh, in peace. R.I.P., a great one. Yep. Um, so, oh yeah, there was something else I was going to send you a message about that we had. Oh yeah, yeah. So I anyway, I was, I was going, I, I, you know, check out our, our Twitter thread conversation about science, science communication. Yeah. Cause I think there was a really like it, it, I think there's a good, there's a, there's an interesting story there, right. Which is, and, and here's the, here's the challenge. 
there are there are really good communicators and they're really good scientists. Some communicators who learn the science get really good at explaining the science. Some communicators who who have a cursory understanding or knowledge of the science don't communicate it very well. Some scientists who learn to be communicators don't become very good communicators. And and somewhere in the Venn diagram, there's a, a in in the middle of this Venn diagram, there's a pool of really good science communicators that have come from both sides of that that of the from those two different disciplines. And 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 I I think the the conversation that we had with Lee, at least what I was trying to sort of get across was, it's not, it's not an us and them kind of kind of situation. And and everyone kind of needs to work at it to be good at it. And and I know you're you're really humble about this, Don, because I you one of the messages you're like I don't really pay attention to the you know I'll paraphrase what you said I don't really pay attention to the to the to the to the literature around around communication I just you know, do it by feel. And I I think that that is probably eighty percent right. But I think you also have a a cursory knowledge of without maybe you know researching it in the same way that we we do like kidney beans of what what works and what doesn't work based on the the intersection between food safety risk communication and food safety that you've read enough of right that, well that, and, I, yeah. and I, I yeah and and I did I guess what I maybe a better way of saying it as I haven't really kept up right like yes. I read uh, I read a, I, again I'm a big fan of Bill Hallman and so every time he has something to say I listen carefully and I I learn uh, big fan of Pete, Peter Sandman, uh, really formative. I still have memories of sitting in my living room of my grandparents' house and reading. It was probably it was probably a Yale alumni magazine because my 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 grandfather went to Yale. Not that I'm bragging about that. It's just a just a context thing. And there was an article on risk communication by this guy Peter Sandman, who lo and behold worked at Rutgers. And I'm like, I never heard of this guy. And I reached out to him. And I said, hey, I'm a new extension person in food science. This was in the 90s. And, and you know, could you send me some stuff? And he sent me some, you know, paper, like papers and, and, and articles in, in, through campus mail. And, and we, you know, we weren't, I wouldn't say we were great friends, but, but he really, and again, Peter is one that came from a journalism background and then worked with a lot of great scientists. And again, was, was in Bill Holman's department, the human ecology department along with a bunch of other great risk communicators. And so I, I, have, I have learned from good people over time, and I have, I have sort of refined how, what I do. But, but these days, I just, I just, it's all I can do to keep up with my own literature and COVID-19 and, and everything else. So I was, yeah, just trying to, you know, I'm, I don't, I'm, I'm certainly not an expert on communication, but I am a pretty good communicator. <laughs> right, right. So, like, like absolutely. And, and I think that it's, like, I guess my, my, my thought is, for you, it's it's more than just the just a feel, and I think that's where, where you know some some folks who are entering the world of science communication or risk communication from the science world are 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 just like not not familiar that there is a discipline around this, and and have you know learned learned from it in a way that may even be cursory, and that's where I kind of feel like I am. I'm I like I feel like I'm very I'm familiar with the literature, and both in the world of behavioral psychology around food safety practices and risk communication. But I, I really try to collaborate and surround myself with folks that are, that are in, that are researching and teaching about that discipline to make sure that they keep me in check with it. And Bill Holman is a, a perfect example of, of that. Just uh, a person who 
you know, we, we've interacted with a bunch. In fact, going back to the start of the pandemic around COVID, you know, COVID-19 in food safety settings and food, food settings, we put out some, some material and, and, and Bill kind of said, Hey, you know, why don't we think about saying it in this way? And we had a really great conversation and was like, yeah, let's, we, sh- we're not saying it in the right way from, from, you know, so having just, just knowing that there are others out there, that there is a discipline and then just counting those as part of our network, I think makes us better risk communicators as scientists that come, come at this from, from different ways. Yeah. And I, I have to say too, like, again, especially in the, that early part of my career, I would say, you know, the nineties, like the first decade I did, I did some things that, you know, in terms of communication that I, that I think were, were not very good. Right. And I, I cause I learned from people like, like Peter Sandman and, and, and Bill Holman. It's like, well, no, that's not. And, and again, and, and part of it is too this realization of talking to consumers about like food safety and, and to say, okay, well, this is, this is my recommendation and here's why I'm giving it to you. Right. I, here's the, here, I'm giving you, I'm, I'm making, I'm making a risk management decision for you. Right. Like my risk management decision for you is you shall not keep food at room temperature for more than two hours. Right. But, but now let's go into the, the risk analysis, the risk assessment behind that. Right. And then once you understand that risk assessment, now you can actually say, okay, well, that's why this is the risk management decision in this case, but in another case, it might be a different risk management decision. So again, back to that idea of understanding the difference between managing a risk and assessing a risk. And, and, and again, so, and it's all, it's all part of this, this discipline of risk, uh, risk analysis. So, yeah. Right, right, right. So we'll link to something in the in the show notes. Probably the thing that I remember reading the most as I was introduced to this to this world is something that that Peter Sandman has on his website, and it's a it's I think it's a book, and and so it's but the entire like passage like all of the whole book is it's uh, copyright 1988 the Chemical Manufacturers Association, but the whole thing is on Peter's web uh, website, and it is risk communication, risk statistics, and risk comparisons, a manual for plant managers. It, it just, I mean, breaks down and it's old. It's from 1988, but it's the foundational stuff of why, why I approach things the way that I do. And, and this is like, just in, as I like cursorily look through this, there is really like the, the role, like there's an area right here just on the role of risk comparisons. And we see this a lot right now on COVID-19 on flu versus risk of driving in a car and and how it's very difficult to make those comparisons in risk communication. And and so, you know, in here they they talk about that role, they reference a couple of different other articles, especially this this Hans article from 1987 that that really breaks down some of the I, you know, what what I consider to be the foundational places in in risk communication. And and it's yeah, so so anyway, it was good, you know, read our Read our thread, in, and it's going to be hard for you to find it because we are answering I, on lots of different things. But. Well, I, I, I will link to Lee's original twi- tweet. Uh, are you a, a sci researcher who does SciComm? Okay, and that's a good starting point. Got it. Yep, yep, yep. Perfect. Excellent, excellent. Cool. Well, yeah, so what else, uh, well, what else do you so want to talk about? What, oh, uh, just, a, just a, a little bit of an aside. There, these are these seven rules here at the top of this Sandman blog post. They're, they're, they're pretty good rules. I, I just, I'm not sure. I'm not sure some people in this country <clears throat> can do any of them. <clears throat> there was, a, there was yeah. a big, there was a big, back to my, my other podcast that I talk about all the time now on this podcast, uh, TWIV, there was a giant discussion about how they, they try to avoid politics and yeah. And then Alan, 
basically just went off on our dear, our dear leader. It was quite <laughs> delightful. <laughs> Excellent. You know, you gotta, you gotta, Don, we just have to be who we are, right? That's and, right. and sometimes that includes being, being very, I don't know, dismayed about our, the current system in politics. And, and those and, other two guys, yeah. have they started a podcast yet? The right wing guys? I don't know. I'm not sure. I keep looking. Yeah. We I, see, well, we, you know, we suggested that on the podcast that is not published. Yet, it hasn't so. been posted yet. And I, I see you're, you're subtweeting me. Huh? You're subtweeting me about how I haven't posted it yet. Uh, no, I was just passively aggressively <laughs> mentioning it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, it's, it's true. It's you're true. busy. You're busy. It's fine. It's fine. No worries. I'm busy, but uh, also it's like uh, people want us. Hey, it's something that that I I think you grab from somewhere else that that uh, that I think I hear it in your voice when you say like like when I hear it in my head, which is if you don't publish the paper, it didn't happen. Yeah. And if we didn't put if I don't post the po- podcast, we never recorded it. Ooh. Right. Ouch. Yeah. Right. 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 Well, so also, also, if call recorder doesn't love, we never recorded it. Wow, that's, that, a different that's not even that's like not even fair. But now we know check checklist, right? Is call recorder uninstalled or installed? And it's installed. So so what else? What what else you got for? And, and I, I apologize because I you know right now it's a weird it's a weird food safety time because there, you know we we've talked in the last couple episodes about a couple of pretty large outbreaks that are that are happening that or that continue to happen or that are being investigated and gosh since we talked last week there really hasn't ha- been any super breaking news about you know other other outbreaks uh, yeah, and, and I mean, you know I mean, what i the, actually the, the biggest news is that roger roger's hot mad but we already talked roger's about that hot. yeah roger's hot mad it's food safety month and, right? it is, oh, and, Bill, and speaking of people being hot mad, uh, it's food safety month, um, and uh, Bill Marler is not happy about the job that we're doing. And and you know what? Neither am I. This is our. We've talked about this in the past. Every month should be food safety month, and we're not actually not very good at it sometimes. Um, so, not you know nothing about you know all the people that are trying to do stuff, but yeah, it's uh, eh, food safety month. I, I, sometimes when I like to run out of when we run out of things to food safety wise to talk about, I go directly to the food safety news website to see if there's anything exciting. And there's there's not a whole lot of not not a whole lot. But but, you know, the we've we've talked in the past on food safety talk about Brazilian beer and and, and an outbreak that that happened from ethylene glycol or, you know, a, a whole bunch of illnesses. And that got covered in, in food safety news today. Cool. So, yeah, so go read more about that. It's it basically there's a, a final report that came out, but we've talked about it all already. So I don't know. Is that a show? Are we that, that would be fine with me if it's a show, Ben. I I I don't know if you know this. We'll see. A couple things. You you have a one million dollar grant to manage, and I have a uh, house that's worth less than that that I have to sell. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Me, hey. Maybe it's worth less. You don't know. It's only worth what it sells I'm, for. I'm, and, I'm pretty. The, the, you know, the realtor did say that that she hopes that there get is a bidding war, but it's not gonna it's not gonna go that for that much. We all hope for a bidding war. <laughs> exactly. Well, the so, problem is, Ben. It's a, it's a, it's a, the good news is it's a seller's market. The bad it's news a seller's is you eventually market. Eventually, have to buy a house. <laughs> and it's, you're gonna buy in a seller's market. Yeah. Yeah. So, exactly. Yeah, that's un- unfortunate. But the good part is you'll get you'll you'll make it up in the on the front end. No, you'll you'll have a lot on the front end, but you'll lose a lot on the back end. Is that is that it? I like. Uh, <laughs> I think I think mostly we just need to act quickly. But we can't. Act. The problem is we can't act quickly until our house is sold. 
So, right. but it's fine. It's all, it's all good. Here's the thing I keep telling my, it's just like one step at a time. Like you don't, you don't, you don't sell a house in one day, Ben. It's like, it's like how you eat an elephant, you know, right? One, one bite at a time. You don't sell a house in one day until the day when you sell the house. And so you just have to work at it and just do the next step, you know, and you talk to mortgage brokers and you go look at houses and you wait for the photographer to come and you put away your clutter and it's all going to be good. And I, I love, I love our realtor. She's just a really sweet lady and she makes me calm when I talk to her and that's good. Oh, that is good. That's good. That's the kind of person you want around. We, yes. Uh, you, you, yeah, yeah. Not, not someone who's, who's, <laughs> who's all coked up and making you think that, <laughs> that they're, that they're like moving, they're selling, they're buying They're You don't want a wall street realtor is what I'm saying. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Oh, and you know, the other thing, so we, so we, I think we can call this a show. This is a, for those of you who like the ones where we go for two hours, this, you'll be happy with this one. Cause it's not going to be that long. And then I would also say like, you guys are really lucking out because you have now three days a week, you get a new tiny little delightful nugget of risky or not. And that, that is not going to go away as, unless it does. No. Yeah, no, <laughs> but, we love that. We got, we got a bunch in the can. We got a bunch more scheduled to record. And uh, yeah, and so we we love that you guys are loving that show. And I'll say too, we I did recently dip into people who you know who reviewed the show on iTunes. And so you know if if you haven't reviewed this show on iTunes and you'd like to, go ahead and do that. If you haven't reviewed Risky or Not on iTunes, a lot of you have not because there's only three reviews, uh, and one is a guy that doesn't like how much we say an ah. And so, uh, but there's two also there's two very nice reviews. Not that that wasn't nice. He gave us four stars, but he just said you have to fix that. But but yeah, so you can go give us a go give us give us a uh, uh, go give us a rating on on either of those uh, shows, and we would like that. And write to us again. I'll apologize because see, risky or not is a format that doesn't allow us really to talk to the audience and ramble like we do on this show. And so I will ramble here and say there are. Well, let, let me let me let me let me actually get this because for those of you that, that like to listen to both shows, so risky or not, I've got about. <clears throat> Let's see here. It's not a good way to see this. Um, mark as unread. I have 47 email messages about risky or not. And then if I go over to the sheet, um, on the not yet talked about tab of the spreadsheet, future topics it's called, we have 93 future topics. Oh, we're yeah. So, keep them coming. So so yes, keep yeah, keep them coming, but also don't be sad if we don't get to you because we can't. We, we I don't think we're ever going to be able to get to all of you. And and I when I apologize. There's four there's four blank rows here. So so whatever I said before, ninety three minus four, not 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 even ninety. So yeah. So apologies that we are we are not going to get to all of them right away, uh, but we will try to get to all of them eventually. Yes. Yeah, we will. And, and we'll keep that going. And I'm also, uh, I, I think I mentioned in, in a previous episode that I'm working on this other like serial style podcast. Cause I got Don to give me some feedback on how to make it. And so that, that episode of the first episode of that sort of the pilot should drop soon, but I'm, I'm looking to drop like, I think four or six episodes this fall all at one time. So you can hear about what it's like to be in the food system during the pandemic. And this is a podcast that's uh, called Eating During a Pandemic. And and yeah, so more on that. I want to have the website and pilot up, which might be by the time we record this next time. So, but yeah, we're, we're, are your, your 
you know, faithful podcast hosts who are who are food safety people here, Dr. Don and I, we're we're all in on this podcast thing. We like to keep creating content. So yeah, you get a taste of us in in uh, uh, more more often than than not. Uh, and and yeah, go listen to other things that we do. And and our friends, we have lots of podcasting friends that also talk about food safety related adjacent things every once in a while. So like like our friends, like our friend Merlin and and John uh, and Alex. So go, you know, go find, go find them yes. on the internet. Yes. And yeah. So I guess that's a show. I think I'm, I think I'm done rambling and I'm done awing and ooing and, and umming for now, at least. I mean, at, at least on this, on this podcast. All right. I'll talk to you later, Don. Right, bye-bye. Bye. <laughs>
Yeah, that was good. Like, that, I mean, there's enough going on and we're getting lots of good questions from people and we didn't even get into real listener feedback, but we did a bunch of that in the last episode. Well, I, so. I'm, I'm, I, I mean, I didn't, I've been keeping that in my, in my email folder and it, it's yep. only, there's only one on, oh, oh shoot. We didn't do moldy jam follow-up. We have moldy jam follow-up from, from Linda. From, yeah. From Linda. Right, right, right. right so uh, I, and, I, oh, I forgot about so that. We can can I give you some moldy? Yeah, and and you know what? This will be perfect because I'll actually have some legitimate moldy jam update. Oh, nice! Because Danny, yeah, Danny ordered some squirrel jam. Oh, awesome! <laughs> yeah, so I'll I'll tell you if it's good. She got this. I don't know. We it hasn't arrived yet, but she's like, she because she listened to a podcast, not ours, because she doesn't listen to our podcast where they For talked about moldy jam. Nice. And she's like, this sounds really interesting. Should we buy some? And I was like, yeah, we talked about it on the podcast. We should certainly buy some to find out what, what all the hullabaloo is about. Well, so. you, should, you should definitely listen to that other podcast that she listened to. Cause yeah. I, I want to yeah. hear other people's hot takes. I think that other podcast, cause she like, cause you watch British murder mysteries. Mm-hmm. She listens to murder podcasts <laughs> and I think it was a murder podcast where they mentioned it. So That's weird. I'll, I'll, yeah. 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 I don't think there was a murder related to the, to the squirrel jam, but yeah. that I know of. But I haven't listened to the podcast. What well, so 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 Kristen listens to a sewing podcast, and she heard a letter read out loud that turns out was from our daughter-in-law. Whoa, that's crazy! <laughs> who wrote into the oh who you who you know because she was making all those masks. Ashley, yeah, yeah, Ashley, right, right, right. Ashley. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool. So that was awesome. Cool. Yeah, yeah. All right. Okay, so let's let's end. This is All the right, end so, of after so this show. Is the end of the of the show, and so I'm gonna say uh, goodbye. But I'm not really. I'm just gonna click this button, which is gonna.